Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. William Lee. He is president of a global charity called the Angiogenesis Foundation. Dr. Lee's work has impacted more than 50 million people worldwide, and he is a world-renowned physician, scientist, and author of the best-selling book, Eat to Beat Disease, The New Science of How Your Body Can Heal Itself. Dr. Lee, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be on. Uh, so what inspired you to write this book? Well, I'm a physician, internal medicine, and I'm also a research scientist. Um, I'm known as a vascular biologist, so I study blood vessels, vascular. And, you know, um, for years, I actually have been doing what I was trained to do, which is to diagnose disease, write prescriptions, use drugs to actually treat terrible problems. And I started to realize when my patients were asking me almost without fail, hey, doc, what could I do for myself as they were walking out the door? And I would say, what do you mean? And they would say, what, what could I be doing for myself? Like, what should I eat? I realized this was something that I was never taught in medical school or any kind of training afterwards. And I realized that Um, that was just really wrong. And so I set on this journey to really use my background in the science of medicine to try to figure out what is the evidence uh, of uh, and what foods actually can help us prevent, um, help treat, and even reverse diseases. And so that's led me on this journey to put together and do research on uh, uh, more than 200 different foods that actually uh, help the body boost its own health defense systems. And that's what my book, Eat to Beat Disease, is all about, how your body can heal itself from the inside out and how our foods can actually make this better. Well, you know, I, I, I love what, what you said there. Um, you know, it's very common that I have a, a patient come in my office and, and their doctor told them that food doesn't matter. And, you know, it might have been even a GI specialist, like something really obvious that what you're eating is going to impact, you know, your health. And, and um to me, you know, I have to sit there and explain, well, it's it's actually because they don't know and they haven't taken the time to know and doctors aren't taught and that's why you're in my office because I'm going to help you with that part. And and then it's very confusing and overwhelming because if you take to the internet, um, you know, there's different diets and they conflict themselves and people disagree and, and you know, it, it's, it's a confusing road to go down and people just want some direction. You know, they want, they want some help of how to feel better without a lot of medication right well and and you know the the feeling better part is really super important because all of us are born you know the moment we sort of arrive from our mom's wombs our bodies are already equipped with um uh the defenses that keep us from getting sick. And these health defenses actually are firing in all cylinders from the time we're born all the way into our last breath. And and that's what makes us feel good. That's what makes us feel like we are all we can be. And those same health defenses are what um, our lifestyle 
And sometimes our genetics can actually wear down or take down over time, including as we age. And so the new way of actually thinking about how to keep us, you know, um, all we can be, not just fit, but really well, you know, feeling good and not just being good, um, I think it has to do with this understanding when it comes to food and health, it's not just about the food, it's as much about how our bodies respond to what we put inside it. Well, you know, my idea of a healthy person is somebody who, um, you know, there's more than just this factor of whether or not you have a diagnosis of a disease. It's whether or not you are are emotionally, mentally well, whether or not you can function in your daily life, because a lot of people don't have a diagnosis, but they're still unwell and can't function. And, and, you know, those, uh, you know, and there's, there's more to this as well, but those things get um, ignored by the regular system. It's like, well, you don't have a diagnosis, your blood work is normal, I know you're not functioning, but you need to go home and we're not going to look at anything else. Well, that's right. I mean, I, I, you know, uh, look, I'm, I helped over my career to develop new biotech treatments for diseases like cancer and, and vision loss and complications of diabetes. So I do recognize how important, you know, the, 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 uh, the standard medical system is. But this is the system that actually... Um, is it relies on the practice of things that they always have been. And while new things happen in modern medicine, um, you know, there's a lot of entrenched thinking. And when there's are, there are um, uh, situations with patients that uh, don't lend themselves to a quick solution, I think that this is where patients feel lost. And the new science of health and wellness tells us that, you know, we barely scratch the surface in understanding the body. You know, we barely understand our immune system. We barely understand our gut health because of the discoveries of the microbiome. We barely understand even how our circulation works in the Western sense sense of circulation of blood, you know, vessels bringing blood flow because we've only recently appreciated that we've got 60,000 miles worth of blood vessels packed inside our bodies. And what those blood vessels do is much more then bring oxygen and nutrients. They're actually communicating um, uh, one part of the one body with another part of the body as well. So I, I think the humility of understanding, mm-hmm. um, of recognizing what we do know, and then also still acknowledging how much we don't know opens the mind to lots of different types of ideas that can all, at the end of the day, help our patients. Well, you know, and I I agree with you. And in your first section of your book, you talk about a lot of things which are actually new. And and one of them is the angiogenesis, which you are the the president of that foundation. Can you explain to us what that is? Sure. Um, Angiogenesis is a fancy Greek word that really um, describes how our body grows blood vessels. Angio is blood. Genesis is how they grow. And, you know, as our bodies develop, um, uh, after our mom and dad conceives us, we start to develop actually one of the first organs that ever develops in our body is our, is our circulation. So uh, 60,000 miles worth of blood vessels ultimately develop. And so that when we're an adult packed inside our bodies is this enormous sort of set of highways and byways. Um, uh, and, and they do bring oxygen and nutrients, whatever we eat gets into our bloodstream and then actually gets carried to, to nourish our cells. Um, and we have to have just the right number of blood vessels. If you don't have enough, 
So this is seen in heart disease or sometimes in diabetes where your nerves die back or your wounds don't heal or your heart you have heart disease. Um, you run into a problem. You need um, our we need our vessels to nourish our cells and our organs to keep us alive. And so, um, one of the real interesting areas is how do we actually grow blood vessels to actually support enough blood flow? On one hand, on the other hand, when you have too many blood vessels, excessive angiogenesis, um, that can actually those extra blood vessels actually can feed diseases. So, for example, like cancers, we all form cancers in our body all the time because we've got you know trillions of cells that are dividing and they make a few mistakes and they turn into these microscopic cancers. But those cancers are harmless because they can't grow bigger than the head of a ballpoint pen without a blood supply. And, and then our immune system just spots them and wipes them out. But if they actually are able to hijack our blood vessel system, if they're able to create tumor angiogenesis, the moment a blood vessel touches a tiny tumor, it can start growing 16,000 times in only two weeks. And those same blood vessels that feed the cancer can allow cancers to escape back into our circulation and spread. And we call that metastases. And so um, too few blood vessels, not good. Too many blood vessels might be even worse. And so one of the health body's health defense systems, the angiogenesis defense system, um, nourishes our body with oxygen and nutrients, but just at the right amount. And that's a theme, which is balance in our body is critical for health. Mm. Um, and you, you talk about stem cells as well. What are those? Okay, well, uh, stem cells are the baby cells that actually uh, are the starter cells that our bodies develop from. And uh, when, again, when we start developing in our mom's womb, that's all we are, our stem cells. And these cells are amazing because they can turn into anything. They can turn into a leg, an arm, a brain, a heart. Um, and after we're born and as we grow up, uh, we obviously lose most of these stem cells because our organs do develop. Our bodies develop into the people that we are and the structures that they are. But there are um, a small number of these stem cells that are that still stick around as we're uh, adults. And these stem cells um, can be in our bone marrow. Uh, uh, they can actually be in our skin, and they can sometimes be in some of the in our fat and other organs as well. When we get into trouble as adults, and we need to actually repair ourselves from the inside out, um, if there's injury like basically our body sends out in a distress signal and stem cells will come out of our bone marrow. They kind of like fly out like bees come out of a hive and they actually get to the injured area like a wound and they start healing and regenerating that tissue from the inside out. So, you know, like when we were in grade school, we were taught by our teachers that starfish and salamanders can regenerate um, uh, so they can grow a new arm or a new leg or tail, um, but people can't. And for, for decades, that was thought to be the, the rule of biology. But now we realize that, in fact, humans do regenerate. We've got these stem cells, and they actually help us heal from the inside out. And what's amazing is that foods can actually help prompt those stem cells to accelerate their healing. 
Well, well, that's interesting because everybody talks about there's, you know, stem cell therapy is becoming an emergency, emerging therapy, Um, you know, how to to treat injuries. And some people are talking about MS and and you're saying that we can stimulate the stem cells with food so that we can stimulate our own healing in this way. That's right. Uh, and, And in fact, you know, there have been some really amazing research studies showing that for example, uh, we know stem cells are important because, for example, there was a study in Italy that was done showing that people who suffer burns from accidents, when they go to the emergency room, if you measure their stem cells, they are in their bloodstream, they're up through the roof. And, and over time, as, as their body's healing, you see the stem cells, more and more and more stem cells come out until the patient rounds the corner, the body's healing up, and then the body's stem cells um, kind of shut back down to normal baseline levels. And, um, in fact, another study showed that uh, people who had heart disease, if you measured stem cells in their blood before they um, had a heart procedure uh, and then followed them for a year, the people who had the highest levels of stem cells at the very beginning actually had the least chance of dying of a heart attack or stroke compared to the people who had only the low, only low levels. And so that tells you how many stem cells we have, how high they are, and what they do actually can make a huge difference um, uh, between sort of like how, uh, how you know, living or dying. And, and what I found particularly interesting, and I write about in my book, Eat to Beat Disease, is that foods can do this. You, you can go to get stem cell therapies, but it's even more remarkable. There was a research study done in San Francisco where they studied people in their 60s who had heart disease, and the only thing they gave them is is two cups of hot chocolate every day for 30 days. The hot chocolate being made with dark cacao, which is dark dark chocolate or high flavanols. That's one of the natural chemicals found in in cacao, dark chocolate. And they found that um, if, if if these people who already had heart disease were drinking two cups, that's all, two eight ounce cups of hot chocolate a day for for a month, that they could that that's the only thing that was done. The number of stem cells in their bloodstream would actually double compared hmm. to the beginning. Well, really, quite that, amazing that foods could do that. Yeah, and it makes it sound very very easy. And I, I'm sure that you might have a, a comment on the sugar that's in the hot chocolate. But there's a lot of things you can do about that. But that much that's not a lot of cocoa, and and to to be able to get that to stimulate you're healing that dramatic dramatically is is amazing right right and, and don't forget yeah. you know the whole issue about sugar is sugar is an added substance to things like chocolate chocolate itself is not sweet and so you know these are choices that we can make and whether what kind of sugar you add for sweetener um, you know I, I think um, what I try to do with my approach to diet and health is really try to focus on what are the good things that we're that science is discovering we should add to our diets as a way of balancing the things that, you know, um, that might not be so good for us, that some of us are going to be ingesting and consuming anyway. We should cut down on some of the bad things. We spend most of our time thinking about the good things. There'll be less room in our minds and in our bodies for the bad things that we eat. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll pick this up um, when we get back. We're talking today with Dr. William Lee, and we're discussing his book, Eat to Beat Disease. We'll be back shortly. 
Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. A stain-free clean home is something to be proud about, but it's hard to maintain when you're using cleaning products that don't work well or take forever to use. Q-Carbona, a household brand that has turned their decades of cleaning experience into products that get the job done fully, quickly, and easily. When I first heard about Stain Devils, my stain-removing game was changed. Think about this. If you have a chocolate stain, it doesn't make sense to treat it with a formula that removes wine because they are chemically different. Knowing this, Carbona created specific stain removers for specific stain types. Genius, right? Beyond stain removers, they have highly efficient products for your laundry, carpets, and washing machine. My co-host Oliver, who is a Chihuahua Cross, wants to remind you not to forget about the pet stain and odor remover. Want to start living your life unstained? ShopCarbona.com with code FTTC for 20% off your order. Happy cleaning. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I'm talking with Dr. William Lee, and he is the author of Eat to Beat Disease. Now, Dr. Lee, you talk in your book about DNA damage, which um, is starting to be talked about more. I know, um, well, maybe you can just explain how much we understand about this and, and what it means. Yeah, well, sure. So uh, here's the thing about DNA. Like, we all have heard about DNA. Um, uh, Some of it, actually, we think about, like, from Ancestry.com or, you know, some of these um, uh, genetic uh, analyses that you can swab your cheek and send it out to see who we're related to. And 
people know that DNA is kind of like the code of life, and it is. It tells our body how to make the proteins to keep us alive. But a lot of people don't realize that our DNA is also one of our body's health defense systems. It keeps us from getting more sick, and the way it does this is by uh, by protecting our genetic code, are these instructions from being harmed from the environment. So what do we mean by um, harm from the environment? Well, it turns out that DNA can, is often damaged by the environment. Pollution, toxins in the environment, even ultraviolet radiation um, can damage DNA. We know that, um, for example, solvent in fumes uh, can be very destructive DNA. So I ask people, you know, like when you fill your car up with gas, when you're at the filling station, do you stand upwind or downwind of, of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, at the tank? And most people stop and they're going, um, I never even thought about that. Well, here's what I'd say. If you smell the gas going into your tank, you are standing downwind and your lungs are taking in the petroleum, uh, the gasoline, and that's causing DNA damage. So how come we don't develop lung cancer the next day? It's partly because our DNA can fix itself. Same thing as the sun. You know, besides, you know, not being in a tanning salon or, or um, in a tanning booth or on the beach, you know, getting sunburned, you know, which can cause melanoma and damage your DNA. How come just going out and being sitting in traffic and having the sun shining through your window doesn't actually cause cancer because our DNA can fix itself? So in my book, Eat to Beat Disease, I talk about sort of the ways that DNA is hardwired to be able to neutralize the incoming missiles that are trying to damage it. So these are antioxidants, or it can actually repair itself faster um, if, it's, if there's already damage. So that's like paving the pothole in a, in a road so your, your car doesn't get damaged when you drive over it. And then the other thing is that there are these protective caps called telomeres that are protecting our DNA at their very ends. They're like the kind of the plastic... Um, caps on the tip of a shoelace to prevent the shoelace from unraveling and being damaged. So the shoelace is DNA. The telomere is the plastic cap protecting it. And these are just some of the ways that our DNA is hardwired to protect us against the environment as we age and um, elements that can actually be boosted by the foods that we eat. Um, well, well, that's pretty amazing because I think that a lot of people look at genetics like this is the blueprint for my life and this is, you know, my dad had heart disease and I'm going to get heart disease, etc. Um, and, and, you know, what you're saying is the opposite. We can repair the damage. And, and you know, I, I explain to people when they get anxious about the genetics like that, that we also know that heart disease can be prevented. So whatever gene you're looking at that you're worried about, we can also just have a, a look and, and say this is something that can be prevented. Is that how you talk about it as well? Absolutely. I mean, look, it, it is true that, you know, DNA are the the instructions, the blueprint that we inherit from our moms and dads. And that blueprint's not going to change. But what we do, what our bodies do with that blueprint can be massively um, affected by our lifestyles. And so the things we know are some of the harmful behaviors that can really be damaging. Like, so harmful lifestyles, you smoke, you're going to damage your DNA. You drink a lot of alcohol, you're going to damage your DNA. You don't sleep well enough, going to damage your DNA. Living stress, damage your DNA. Work in an environment where you're filled with toxins, you know, surrounding you, going to damage your DNA. But, but that's kind of like the, the glass half full approach to life. And 
What I like to do is to give people this idea that, look, um, we can fill up our cup by, by doing things that help our body's DNA defense mechanisms um, uh, work even better. And the, the simplest things like our diet can actually make a big um, uh, difference by protecting our DNA. Um, and and in the beginning of the show, you you talked about the microbiome, which is something that's being talked about more and more over the years as we're coming to understand it more. And I, I'm not sure we understand the full the full everything. Um, but can you just um, explain what that is? Right. Well, you know, um, uh, we used to think of ourselves, you know, just as um, human. Right. And and uh, but we're, we're now realizing that inside our bodies are 39 trillion bacteria that represent our other selves, our bacterial self. And and most of these bacteria, they do live on the skin and, 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 every, and any crevice in our body. But most of them are actually in our gut. And these good bacteria um, are changing our views of what bacteria is altogether. If you remember... You know, going back um, uh, back into the 1800s and 1900s, when we when you know researchers first discovered scientists first discovered bacteria, it was mostly in the context of infections that could kill you, and so the miracle of antibiotics to kill those bad bacteria led to this mindset that you know we should always kill bacteria bacteria are bad we should wash our hands we should get rid of all these bad bacteria and any kind of bacteria is a bad bacteria we now know that there's a lot of good bacteria and if you have and and if you have more good bacteria than bad bacteria it's like a neighborhood if most of the people living in the neighborhood are good law-abiding citizens your neighborhood is going to be happy and if you have a lot of bad actors bad bacteria growing the neighborhood is going to be kind of a dicey, and that's actually what happens in our gut. So a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, you know, kind of irritable bowel, inflammatory bowel disease, and frankly, even things like um, Parkinson's, uh, Alzheimer's, autism, we're starting to track back for the first time to look at um, uh, what's actually happening in our gut. And the startling thing, Rebecca, is that we're beginning to connect bad bacteria in our gut to many of the conditions that our patients you know, had no idea what was going on, and, and their doctors were scratching their heads saying, well, your blood tests are fine, but maybe your bacteria is not so good. And that's really one of the exciting ways of, of thinking about our health is to ask, ask ourselves, are we doing good things for our gut bacteria? Are we feeding the right things? Or are we actually eating things that are harmful for our gut bacteria that we should cut out? Well, and, you know, I... I I love that you're talking about this. Um, when I somebody comes into my office, the first thing I do, no matter what their complaint is, is look at their gut health and then treat them accordingly. And we start there. Um, and oftentimes, more than not, they come back and most of their symptoms are gone and there is little else left to do, even if their gut wasn't their main complaint. And, you know, I, I point out to people that this is how you're absorbing your nutrients. This is how you're eating. This is your good and bad bacteria bacteria in your body getting back into balance and um, your immune system as well so that you can fight off whatever else you're trying to deal with. But, you know, no matter how many shows we and conversations that we have, I still feel like we we need to hit people on the head with this, how important that, that you know, your gut is to your overall health. 
Right. Well, that's true. And, and you know, what's interesting is, you know, the old adage that, you know, your hip bone's going to tear your leg bone. It turns out our gut bacteria is connected to our immune system. And, for example, when I was in medical school, I was just taught that, you know, our immune system is mostly in our lymph nodes and our spleen and a few other organs. But it turns out that there is a whole new discovered immune part of our immune system that is like a jelly roll inside our intestines. And our gut bacteria, which lives inside the cavity of our intestines, communicates directly with that intestinal immune system. When our gut bacteria is happy, they train our immune system to do its job to be able to not only help us um, resist infection, less cold, less food, um, but it also even helps our immune system conduct surveillance. They're kind of like the watchers, the police patrol, police patrol to look for cancer in our body. And when we're now beginning to revise our thinking to understand that if our gut bacteria is not healthy or happy, um, it might actually even put us at higher risk for diseases like cancer or other inf- bad infections because our immune system is not doing its all the job that it should be doing. So yeah, we got to take care of our, ba- our gut bacteria, you know, eating prebiotics, which is, you know, um, uh, fibers and other food elements that are that, you know, that we might not absorb as humans, but are, but we're feeding our gut. So we used to think, by the way, that if you ate a lot of fiber, oh, that's good for fiber is good for you because it stimulates your intestines to keep moving so you're, you know, you, you'll have good bowel movements. You'll be regular, as we used to call it. Um, but it turns out that while that may be true, an even more important part is that the fiber that we don't absorb, the, our gut bacteria loves to eat. So we're feeding our aquarium, you know, our own pet bacteria inside our gut with prebiotics like fiber. And when they're happy and they're well-fed, they can actually stimulate our immune system. So prebiotics are good. You can have probiotics, which are the bacteria themselves, especially from fermented foods. And then, you know, there's a whole bunch of foods to actually try to stay away from, like processed meats and red meats um, uh, and and high-fat foods, because they actually tend to stress out our healthy gut bacteria. So with high-fat foods, do you just mean like deep-fried foods or or are you um, – because a lot of people now are doing paleo or keto diets where they are eating more high-fat. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, here's the whole story on fat, right? There's good fats (laughs) and bad fats. Or maybe there's better fats and there's worse fats is probably the best way to think about it. We know the good fats because I like to talk about the good stuff first. You know, our our polyunsaturated or PUFAs or omega-3 fatty acids you get from your salmon or your oily fish, we know that that's good for your heart. That's good for our blood vessels to help prevent bad blood vessels from forming. Uh, Those also feed our microbiome. They help to protect our DNA and they help our immunity. So, the, the better fats are really good to have from their natural sources. The bad fats are the ones that we tend to find saturated fats. Um, they are the ones that we find in red meat, lots of pre- very common in processed meats. Um, uh, uh, they're also found in a lot of dairy products, you know, like ultra fatty um, uh, foods like that. So um, what, what we do know, and this is maybe the kind of like the, the reveal of the science behind you know, you should eat better healthy fat oils and healthy fats and stay away from the bad fats is that now we can add to uh, uh, to all the litany of reasons that the better fats help our gut bacteria, whereas the worst fats, the saturated fats found in meat, for example, tend to damage or stress out our gut bacteria. 
um, which you know, um, we're we're down these roads of of being very confused right now. Um, I think. I think one thing we do is too much extreme in one direction and and then we kind of go into an imbalance in that direction. So we have to correct it. It kind of seems as a society what we do to me. Um, it's a theory. <laughs> but, you know, people are, are, conf- are confused and a lot of people still want to continue eating red meat. And, you know, it's part of their lifestyle or their desire. Um, is there a safe amount of red meat or it, does that just always cause too much stress on the body well uh look um here's the whole thing i i totally on the same page with you it's about balance it's about moderation it's about making more good choices than bad choices i used to always tell my patients one thing life is for the living and so we should really enjoy what we do and my my book to be disease is really all about empowering people um to really lean into the things that they really love so long as they're healthy. So that's why I list 200 foods that are out there that are healthy. Pick the ones that you love and start with those as healthy eating, and you're going to love it already, and so you're already ahead of the game. Um, when it comes to meat, look, um, many people choose. We, we know, for example, that plant-based foods are a healthier dietary pattern. So Mediterranean, Asian, you know, all the healthy dietary patterns are mostly plant-based. Why? Because in ancient cultures, there wasn't a lot of money. Um, uh, plants were abundant, uh, locally grown. And so, and our bodies are really well-adjusted to eating plants. The plants also have a lot of fiber, which feeds our gut bacteria, again, helping us to be healthy, as well as having bioactive, natural chemicals that activate our body's health defenses. So, but what about red meat? Can we take red meat? Well, I would say, I would I would put throw this in the same hopper can we have sugar, added sugar? Is it okay to have sugar every now and then? What about some red meat? Um, uh, uh, is it okay to, uh, 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 you know, cheat and eat some processed foods every now and then, or even dairy? I, I would say, look, there, there are, we should spend most of our time eating good things. Um, if we really want to, um, every now and then, us, we're all human. Uh, we all uh, are in different circumstances on a daily basis. You know, if you can eat a little bit of meat, um, uh, uh that's probably all right, as long as you're, you know, kind of thinking about how to actually compensate by eating some uh, plants. And, and what I do in my book is I talk about this plan called 5x5x5. Five by five by five. It's not a dietary plan. It's really a framework. It's got five health defense systems, blood vessels, angiogenesis, stem cells we talked about, microbiome, DNA, and our immune system, which everybody knows about. Um, if you actually feed those, if you eat to feed those health defense systems, your body knows how to actually um, uh, uh, resist and prevent, and in some cases, reverse disease. So you're in good shape and you eat a little bit of meat, that's probably fine. I, I don't like to say you can eat up to this much meat because everybody's going to be different. But what I will say is that processed meats, you know, the kinds of things that, um, you know, like the, the sausages and salamis mm-hmm. and all this other kind of stuff that you would find in the grocery store under processed meats, you know, there's probably no safe amount to eat of those because the World Health Organization has classified processed meats as a carcinogen linked to higher risk of developing cancer, especially the bowel, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look, we do a lot of things that actually increase our risk of cancer. We, we, we go to the beach, right? That increases your risk of cancer. But that doesn't mean that if you knowingly 
if you have that information, why would you want to harm yourself um, uh, knowingly if, if uh, by doing something? So this this is why uh, having the information uh, uh, arms you to be able to make the best choices for you at that time. Well, perfect. Um, We're going to talk about what those foods are when we get back from this break. We're talking today with Dr. William Lee, and we're discussing his book, Eat to Beat Disease, and we'll be back shortly. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, I'm talking with Dr. William Lee, and we're discussing his book, Eat to Beat Disease. So, Dr. Lee, um, I mean, one of the main things in your book is, you know, these are all the things that our, our bodies can, that need to be well, as well as can obviously go wrong, your microbiome, all this kind of stuff. Um but what do what are some of your favorite foods that help repair a lot of these that you do on a regular basis? Yeah, so listen, I I love food. Uh, I'm a foodie, and I like to cook as well. So I'm somebody that really has an appreciation of food um, for its taste. I I like the culture behind food. Um, I've lived in the Mediterranean. I've um, uh, spent time cooking uh, did, uh, uh, meals from different cultures, uh, and so I, you know, I'm somebody who I think uh, 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 likes to. Uh, I live to eat as well as eat to live. Um, so uh, there's so many foods that are actually good for you. Um, uh, the, some of my favorites, you know, I'll tell you, um, I, I love tomatoes. 
tomatoes are a fruit. Um, I know there's a lot of mythology out there uh, that tomatoes are related to the nightshade family and there's and there's lectins and they're poison. Um, I can tell you that all the data that's out there, uh, the research, the hard research, um, shows that tomatoes are actually quite safe to eat. And, by the way, they're amazingly delicious. Now, what tomatoes have, and the reason I like them, besides their taste, is that tomatoes have a natural chemical called lycopene, which um, Mother Nature kind of baked into the, uh, or kind of put into the tomato. And, uh, and, and when you pick a tomato from a vine, the lycopene is in a form that your body uh, only partially absorbs, so most of it gets passed through. But if you actually heat the tomato, um, like simmer it, cook it, um, and, if, and if you just, uh, and especially because lycopene is uh, what we call fat-soluble, so it likes to dissolve in, in oil, and you use a little olive oil, tomatoes and olive oil, think Mediterranean diet. Um, research studies have shown that, that uh, people who, met, this is specifically men, uh, this is a study of 36,000 men, that if those who eat two to three servings of cooked tomatoes per week, this is, you know, tomato sauce, and the amount is only about a half a cup, two to three times a week, very easy to do, that, that people who eat that, uh, that cook tomatoes at that uh, pattern um, have an up to 30% reduction in the risk of developing prostate cancer. So, you know, I, I'm, you know I'm, I'm a man. I'm always thinking about, you know, how to actually lower the risk for myself. But I also love tomatoes. So tomatoes is one of my favorite foods. Um, another favorite is, is mangoes. Um, I love mangoes. Um, just something that I have always loved since I was a kid. Um, uh, they're, they're juicy. They're amazingly naturally sweet. Uh, and, um, and they've got a little bit of tanginess. Um, but here's, here's the other thing. I, I call a mango kind of like a, um, a, uh, uh, a, uh, a home run. Uh, it, it actually uh, hits all five of our health defense uh, system. Um, uh, it helps our blood vessels uh, become right sized. It acts, uh, it prevents you know too many bad blood vessels from growing. It stimulates and supports our stem cells. There's natural chemicals in mangoes that do that. The fiber in mango. Anybody who's eaten a mango will know that it's like got a, like a little stringy inside. That you mm-hmm. feed our gut microbiome. It makes our gut health happier. Um, uh, they're in, packed with antioxidants, protect our DNA, and mangoes have been shown to actually boost our immune system as well. So that's another um, one of my favorites. My favorites: um, uh, uh, tomatoes uh, and, and mangoes. And I, you know, I've got a whole bunch of other um, uh, foods that I also uh, love. I love mushrooms. Mushrooms, white button mushrooms, shiitake mushrooms, chanterelle. I mean, you name them. I, you can. They're edible in the woods, and they're on the soil, and you can pick them and cook them. I, I love them. And it turns out that mushrooms are an amazing source of dietary fiber, which feeds our gut microbiome, boosts the immune system, and also a natural chemical called beta-glucan, which actually helps our blood vessels stay healthier as well. So, you know, these are just some examples, like, like, like I would say, you know, among my top three uh, that I love to eat. So what... I, I love that when you talked about the tomatoes, um, you know, all the reasons that people are avoiding them, but then they're good for us. And, you know, I have people come into my office and say, well, I don't do this and this and this and this. And, and I sit there and I, I point out that I could probably find something wrong with every food that they eat. 
and and we can't go down those roads um, because then we have nothing left. And it is about a balance, maybe picking, you know, if something doesn't work for you, if you don't tolerate dairy, don't eat dairy, um, but find out what part of dairy you don't tolerate, you know, that kind of thing, so that we're not completely limited. Do you think that there is an issue when people are too restrictive and damage, you know, say to their microbiome just because they're not eating a variety because they're afraid? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, all the research shows, if you look at the, you know, the blue zones, these are these are five places in the world where people regularly live to healthy, ripe old ages, including over the 100 years old. They eat, the, one of the hallmarks is diversity of their diet. They all eat plant, they eat a lot of plant-based foods, they eat a lot of fresh foods, um, uh, they don't they eat very little processed foods, and they eat, they have diverse diets. Diverse diets are what our body and our bacteria and our health defense systems are used to. Um, you know, it's so easy to think about. Uh, I think we tend to oversimplify. Well, if tomatoes are good, well, then I'll have a ton of tomatoes, and that's all I'll eat. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Our bodies are designed and need lots of different types of goodness. And you know, that's why our taste buds also, by the way, are developed for, you know, sweet, salty, sour. Like, you know, our, our, our entire system is hardwired to be able to uh, take in and benefit from a diversity of foods and even plant-based foods. I mean, think about it. You don't want to only eat kale, you know? What about no. some radicchio <laughs> every now and then? And what about some carrots every now and then? And, and, and so I think I, I encourage people to, you know, really consider what they love to eat. And, you know, I, I, I meet people all the time that say, you know, I got a, I, Doc, I got a terrible diet. Like, all I eat is junk food. And what I would say is that, you know, is that really true? Let's take a look, you know, and I'll show them a list of 200 foods in my book, Eat to Beat Disease. And I'll say, is that really true? Like, let's take a look. Let's walk together through this and see if there's stuff that you love. And then inevitably they'll say, you know what? I like this. I actually like this. Yeah, my mom used to make that. And what I do is I try to get them to identify the stuff they love that's a health, from a healthy list and then encourage them. It's a positive thing. Like food should be about pleasure and enjoyment and empowerment. Don't want to eat too much and you want to choose the right things. But what I think is not that healthy, Rebecca, is like when there's a message sent that, that food is associated with guilt, shame, and fear. And so my message is, look, there's plenty of people that actually kind of try to convince you what not to do. I'm trying to actually help people appreciate what they should do and what they can do. Well, and that's really important, you know. I mean, a lot of people do need to change how they're eating, and, you know, they're probably already eating too much sugar, and, um, you know, it's something I see a lot, and I do a, a challenge. I people just go home and, and read some of the labels if you're having packaged food, and they come back, and they're in shock that they were eating as much as they were because they had no idea. They just weren't informed, and they weren't reading labels, and they thought it was different, and so I just want to open people's eyes that you know you need to be aware of what you're doing but 
I don't go down a road of really strict diets with people. I know some people feel like I do, but when you look at all the other diets out there, I'm like, you need variety. You need to not to focus on just one food, whether it's cutting that out or putting it in because people go overboard with putting something in, they'll juice something and then that will cause problems. And I, I tell people, you really need to have variety and you need to love what you're doing. So go and explore this and, and find things that you love, find a recipe that you love and see if you could change it a little bit or, or make it even better. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that, that's, that's what I think is variety is, you know, the spice of life. Um, we really should lean, lean into our food. And, and by the way, here's another interesting thing, right? Like everyone's different. We know that. We know that for a fact, but we're also influenced by what our parents did and where they came from and where our grandparents came from because it turns out that, you know, the diet of our ancestors, you know, parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, whatever they ate actually and going even back further um, uh, alters and changes the way that our genetics are. Um, our, our, G, our DNA doesn't change, but the way that our DNA is affected will be changed. And that's part of the reasons why we all have different tastes and taste buds. I'm not talking about food allergies. I'm talking about our preferences and why, you know, some people prefer one dish or another dish. The other thing I want to sort of emphasize is that, you know, we, we tend, uh, you know, I, I tell this to people all the time. Please try not to oversimplify. Life isn't simple. Life is complex, wonderfully complex, and there's nothing more complex than food. We tend not to eat individual ingredients. We eat foods that are mixed and cooked together. I mean, think about a, a vegetable stew or a minestrone soup. I mean, look at all the stuff that's thrown in there. It's good mm-hmm. for you. Um, and part of that complexity is what our body craves. So rather than try to oversimplify, be too strict, I think what we should do is open our minds to embracing more variety of the healthy foods in ways that suit our tastes. And then the final thing I think about, sort of like my general principles, don't eat too much because it turns out that the other thing that is remarkably, um, remarkably consistent about research is we're finding that if you tend to eat less if you restrict your calories and, and eat less, whether this is in a research lab or in communities, people um, uh, eating less actually helps our body's health defenses, <clears throat> helps us live longer. And while, you know, I'm not talking about keto, uh, and I'm not even really talking about caloric restriction or intermittent fasting, but, yeah, you know what, if you skip breakfast every now and then, uh, you know, some people say skipping breakfast is terrible. I, I think that's probably coming from the cereal industry, old school, 1960s marketing. Um, you know what? Every now and then, if you're busy and your life doesn't accommodate it, you skip breakfast or lunch, which I do, think about that as something that's actually probably helping your, uh, your health defenses as long as you're not doing it to an extreme. And that's the whole back to your point about balance. Well, I, I agree. You know, I get asked about fasting all the time, and, and I do fast. I've done a few shows, my, um, and it opened up my eyes. I was actually for years very resistant to fasting until I understood the the studies on it. And um, 
you know, I looked at it and said, this is actually important, but I don't do, you know, three, five day fasts. I do, you know, intermittent fasting. I actually just have, I don't snack during the day. And I explained to people that's actually fasting. If I have four or five hours between my meals and I don't snack, I'm fasting. I'm not eating. I'm not getting my blood sugar up. So it doesn't have to be very dramatic either. It can just be, you know, as you said, skipping a meal just one day, even eating, you know, dinner at the end of the day or lunch and dinner and it doesn't have to be where you feel like you're torturing yourself and starving yourself because we also need the nutrients that comes from food and I think we can go the other way with fasting where we're a little distracted with I'm not gonna eat because then I can get my immune system up or or whatever and we we tend to go very dramatic I think (laughs) as a society right 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 well and and I think this is where if we start with who we are as individuals and take a moment to catch our breath and think about what it is that we actually prefer to do. Don't just rush out and do stuff because someone told you to do it or you heard about it on television or you're seeing it online. Take a quiet moment to think about like what it is that you, what, what brings you pleasure, what's important to you. Um, uh, and I think that if you, you know, earlier on you mentioned about the sort of mental health and physical health, it's all tied together. And taking a moment to be calm, to think about our health, it not only is good for our brains and good for our hearts, um, it also helps to guide us in better decision-making overall. And I think starting with who we are is the most important thing. I agree. Now, um, your book is is very informative and actually easy to read. Uh, we've only touched on a little bit of what's in it. It's actually um, uh, got a lot, a lot of more information in it. So if anybody wants more of this information, how can they find your book? <clears throat> right. Well, listen, I, I, I love having people uh, come to my website. It's uh, www.drwilliamlee, drwilliamlee, is spelled L-I dot com, drwilliamlee.com. Or you can follow me on social. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. It's um, at Dr. Dr. William Lee, L-I, at Dr. William Lee. You know, I one of the things that I actually um, really uh, am super excited by the response to is, uh, you know, the 200 foods in my that I talk about in my book, I actually arrange them into a practical grocery shopping list that's organized uh, like you would find the foods when you, you know, push a cart into a grocery store. So I went to a bunch of grocery stores and then literally with my list of foods ch- kind of checked off and reordered them on the basis of how I tend to enc- encounter them. And so anybody who comes to my website, uh, signs up, it's free gets to download a free shopping list of my foods according to how they would find them in a grocery store. And that, to me, is just sort of like a little cheat sheet to help you um, uh, get to it. And, and by the way, you can also find my book, Eat to Beat Disease, The New Science of How Your Body Can Heal Itself, um, anywhere where books are sold, you know, whether it's your local bookstore, whether it's uh, Amazon or another uh, online bookseller. Well, perfect. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It was a great show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. And um, if anybody wants more information on my story or what I went through to get back to health, my um, story is on my website at dr-risk.com. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And uh, thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 